Welcome to the Soul Salons, exploring our spiritual heritage. After about three years of working on this series, I'm going to wrap up the podcast at the end of 2021. It hasn't had a huge reach, but maybe something I've posted has meant something to someone along the way. I certainly hope so, and I've learned a lot myself too. I'm also transitioning the files to a website called thesoulsalons.com. Please check it out and share the link. You can find all 40 episodes at the new website. As I prepare the last couple of episodes, I realize that I've featured fewer philosophers than I should have done, so today I am focusing on Michel de Montaigne. He was known as one of the most significant philosophers of the French Renaissance, and he lived from 1533 to 1592. He is best remembered for his essays, and in fact, he popularized the essay as a literary form. His over 100 essays are really reflections on great thinkers and philosophers that he admired, the human condition writ large, and a critical examination of his own qualities and doubts, kind of like a personal diary. His subjects are all over the board, though. Some of his essays are short, some are long, some seem quite deep, others are just odd, in my opinion anyway. I reviewed about 25 for this episode on topics that I felt had a bit more depth. Apparently, readers throughout the centuries came to very different conclusions about what Montaigne really believed. For me, though, I felt that he was largely on his own journey of discovery. It's interesting to me that Montaigne was labeled as a humanist, but he identified as a Catholic, likely served in campaigns with Catholic armies, and he believed in God, points which seem to have been downplayed by those writing about him subsequently. I did a word search in his essays, and the word God or gods is mentioned almost 600 times, as is the word soul. I'm going to share some of his passages referring to the soul because, after all, this is the soul salons. In one passage, he says that a wise man ought to withdraw and retire his soul from the crowd, and there keep it at liberty and in power to judge freely of things. Self-reflection was a central theme of Montaigne's work. In an essay on solitude, which I particularly liked, he adds, It is not enough to get remote from the public. It is not enough to shift the soil only. A man must flee from the popular conditions that have taken possession of his soul. He must sequester and come again to himself. Montaigne seemed to enjoy life and the diverse experiences that life offered, but at the same time he believed it should be purposeful. In one of the earliest essays on idleness, Montaigne claims that the soul that has no established aim loses itself. In another essay, he mentions that the soul will turn its violence upon itself if it doesn't have an aim upon which to act. That's an interesting concept. It's so important to have a positive purpose to our lives, but so many of us, including myself sometimes, seem to lose that along the way. I gathered that Montaigne thought the soul could either be one's friend or enemy depending on which way it turned, and that, ultimately, we were responsible for what we made of our lives. Fortune does us neither good nor hurt, he says. She only presents us the matter and the seed, which our soul, more powerful than she, turns and applies as she best pleases, the sole cause and sovereign mistress of her own happy or unhappy condition. But what did Montaigne make of his own life? He was born to a relatively wealthy family in France and had private tutors growing up, 
Although his father sent him to live with a poor family for the first few years of his life as an important part of his education, his father powerfully shaped his education to help him relish learning. As a young man, Montaigne went into law and much of his professional career was as a statesman, including serving King Charles IX of France. In his late 30s, though, he withdrew from public life and isolated himself for nearly 10 years in the tower of a chateau that he inherited from his family. He surrounded himself with some 1,500 books and started writing his essays. I'm wondering how many of us would really be able to do that, to just kind of stay in one part of a house for 10 years. I enjoy research, but I'm also a people person, so even the brief period of COVID isolation was difficult for me. But back to Montaigne, he began to suffer from painful kidney stones before he turned 50, and he traveled to several countries in Europe to seek cures. He loved to travel, apparently. Ultimately, though, he ended up going back to public service as the mayor of Bordeaux in France for several years. Montaigne was disturbed by the corruption and violence and religious wars he saw around him in the 16th century. But he was something of a peacemaker and played an important mediation role between Catholics and Protestants throughout his life. He makes several comments in his essays about how people twist religion for their own ends, but he supported the constraints that religion imposed as well. He believed in following the laws and customs of one's tradition and place. Here's one passage on that theme that I enjoyed. The knot that ought to bind the judgment and the will, that ought to restrain the soul and join it to our Creator, should be a knot that derives its foldings and strength, not from our considerations, from our reasons and passions, but from a divine and supernatural constraint, having but one form, one face, and one luster, which is the authority of God and His divine grace. For some of my paid work, I've been doing some research lately on the authority of the state, or the roles of government, in other words. It kind of made me wonder where the balance is between divine and moral authority and what we expect the government to resolve for us. Here's another passage from Montaigne on the same idea. If we had a divine basis and foundation, human occasions would not have the power to shake us as they do. Our fortress would not surrender to so weak a battery. In the same paragraph, he goes on to say that, Instead of surrendering ourselves to the mercy of every new argument, we should withstand the fury of these waves with an immovable and unyielding constancy. Montaigne is probably most well known for his idea that we don't know what we don't know. In this vein, he didn't care for how humans operated from their own quite limited understandings. He comments on this in several places. He said, Thou seest nothing but the order and revolution of this little cave in which thou art lodged, if indeed thou dost see so much, whereas his divinity, and his, he is referring to God here, has an infinite jurisdiction beyond. This part is nothing in comparison of the whole. In another place he adds that God's condition is above the order of nature, too elevated, too remote, and too mighty to permit itself to be bound and fettered by our conclusions. Whether you believe in God or not, Montaigne still offered helpful day-to-day -day advice along these same lines. He said, for example, not to condemn what we do not understand. He cautions, "'Tis a foolish presumption to slight and condemn all things for false that do not appear to us probable, which is the ordinary vice of such as fancy themselves wiser than their neighbors." 
This is another case of ancient wisdom being very applicable to our time. I would venture to say that very few people do much research before positioning themselves as experts on any given subject these days. Don't we fancy ourselves wiser than our neighbors, even though we may not really know what we're talking about? Speaking of neighbors, I really liked what Montaigne said about believing in oneself versus adhering to others' paths. In an essay called Use Makes Perfect, he kind of makes the case for it being okay to speak of our own virtues as long as we are not lying or becoming too self-absorbed. He said, My trade and art is to live. He that forbids me to speak according to my own sense, experience, and practice may as well enjoin an architect not to speak of building according to his own knowledge, but according to that of his neighbor, according to the knowledge of another, and not according to his own. This passage reinforces the idea that we all have our own imprint to make upon the world. As for Montaigne, his writings influenced many great thinkers and philosophers and psychologists and educators who came after him. I didn't focus on it in this episode, but he had a lot to say about the education of children, encouraging creativity and critical thinking, among other things. Speaking of school, he seemed to see life as a school. He said that we were all born to inquire after truth, which was not hid in the bottom of the deeps, but rather elevated to an infinite height in the divine knowledge. The world is but a school of inquisition. It is not who shall enter the ring, but who shall run the best courses. In this same essay, which offers some really useful advice about the art of civil conversation, he recommends not to be moved and angry at the follies of the world, for it principally makes us quarrel with ourselves. In an interesting metaphor, he adds... Let the river run under the bridge without our care, or at least without our interference. So some takeaways from this episode are to be detached, to speak your truth, to have a direction, to admit what you don't know, and finally to check out my new website at thesoulsalons.com. Bon voyage or happy journeys in the meantime.